0: All right, have any of you ever been frustrated when you read the scripture almost like you read a passage and your response is, "Lord, you've got to be kidding me." I mean, the Bible should shock us, and you know what I'm talking about, that, that should challenge us. Let me give you some examples if you're wondering what's pastor talking about? How about 1 Thessalonians 5:18? Let's roll that one. No matter what happens, always be thankful. Is that what your Bible says? No matter what happens, are you kidding me? Always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's go to another troubling passage. Try your best when things are going good and the wind is at your back to be somewhat thankful to God. Is that what it says? No. Always be thankful. Is anybody feeling the weight of this so far yet? Any, I'm going to open the altars in just a moment for repentance. And, uh, but I have one more verse just to seal the deal. Do everything. Okay, the altars are now open. You guys can repent. I'll join you and I will lead the way. I mean, do any of you when you read the Bible ever just go, seriously, God? God? Are you serious? Do you know what kind of year we've had? This is 2020. Are you kidding me? Don't we get a mulligan for 2020? I mean, how many of you know these are not suggestions in the Bible? These are commandments. Do everything without complaining? (laughs) Are you kidding? I mean, sometimes you should read the Bible and just and just pause and go, wow, this is serious. How am I supposed to do this? Or how many of you might be thinking now, there's a lot of change that needs to happen in my heart for this to become a reality. I mean, the Word of God should confront us sometimes. It should shake us. It should cause us to 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 really challenge our low standard of living sometimes. And I want to challenge you as we're getting ready to ramp up to the Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday, which again, I hope you will all celebrate and 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 party and have people over and praise the Lord and thank God for His blessings on your life. That's the spirit behind all of this. Love on one another. Invite people over that you haven't seen. Get family together. Go big, all right? Go big, and I mean that in the fullest sense of big. Go big. Spill out your house. Be out in your yard. I mean, party like crazy. But here's the deal. I want us to see this morning that a spirit of thankfulness is really a key it's a weapon how many you know in the bible the bible says peace is a weapon I mean, that's not. we wouldn't normally think of peace as a weapon. But thanksgiving is also a weapon. And we don't usually think of it in terms of being a weapon. But when you learn to move in a spirit of thanksgiving, it actually leads to breakthrough and blessing in your life. The opposite is true, and you need to hear this. There are many Christians who destroy the blessing of God on their lives with their mouths because they, they line up with the wrong side. It's like, you know what? We stand there with our arms around Satan, and we're like, you know, well, that t- I don't know how anybody could be thankful. I'm not thankful. Do you know kind of what's going on in my life right now? Wow, 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 wow. It's like you got your arm around the devil, and you're saying, man, that's a great sermon that you're preaching. I'm just going to repeat it all and say amen. How many of you know when you, when you side with the enemy, you don't get the blessing of God? So well, I'm a Christian. Well, I don't care if you're a Christian. If your mouth and your heart are speaking out negativity all the time and you're grumbling and you're complaining. You will not move in the blessing of God. You quench the Holy Spirit. It's like a garden hose bringing water. You, 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 you quench the hose. You crimp it shut and God's trying to bring blessing and answers to your life. How many of you have ever prayed for things and when it didn't happen instantly, you started doing the wham, 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 wham. Can I just tell you, you're going to be waiting a long time. I'm trying to help you this morning. If your mouth does not agree with truth and your heart does not line up with what God says about you, uh, then you're going to be working against and crosshairs against what God's trying to do in your life. And many, many Christians do it. Now, I appreciate the fact that when Jesus tells us to do anything, I mean anything. How many of you know he always does it first? Some of you may have noticed, I just got to go there. Some of you may have noticed that we had some certain elites in certain states that are locking people down and telling you how how many helpings you can have and how many people can be over. But the same elites were just seen at a a 350-a-plate restaurant with medical people, none of which were wearing, wearing masks, but they're telling you to stay home and eat your turkey in your closet. With a mask on, so just su- <laughs> just suck, suck all the nutrients out of the turkey. <laughs> Listen to me. That's not leadership. When we have one standard for our leaders and another standard for the peons, that's not leadership. And can I just tell you... I got to tell you another little secret here, and then I got to be good because I got to fly. I used to feed my whole family of 10 at Pappas, those Greek places. Thank God for the Greeks. (laughs) We would all eat lemon rice soup, drink water, and get copious supplies of free bread. In fact, I would give all the kids rolls with butter before the rice soup ever showed up. And we would walk out of that place for probably under 40 bucks, all right? $350 plate. While you're supposed to stay home, mind your own business and do your best because we're all in this together. Where is the trash can so I could puke right now, all right? Listen, what I love about Jesus is he never, ever, ever, ever asks us to do anything that he hasn't gone and led the way. The Bible says, give thanks In all circumstances, for this is the will of God. I want you to go to a passage that we're all familiar with. In fact, we're going to to receive communion next Sunday in the midst of all the other fun that we're having. But look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 22, verse 14. When the hour had come, this is the hour, this is his darkest hour, all right? He's living in the shadow of the cross. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And then he said to them, "With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer." He knows that suffering is just around the corner. He knows the agony of the cross. He knows what his mission is, and he knows it's the the clock is getting the, the the clock is ticking down, and it's right almost there. He said, But my fervent desire is to eat this Passover with you, for he says, I'm going to no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom. You know, what, what people do at, in their last days or the last hours or before a major catastrophe they're about to face uh, says a lot about them. The Bible says Jesus wanted to be with the men that he had spent the last three and a half years with. How many of you know when you're on, do on assignment together like Jesus was, those guys experienced some, some mountaintops? We sang about them, right? And some valleys. They went through some times where they were like, oh my goodness, did you see how Jesus cast the devil out of that guy? Wasn't that awesome? They're like, high it. Or they came back, they did the same thing, and they said, this is incredible. In Jesus' name, look at what we're able to do. And then they also went through some low times where Jesus said to them, hey guys, are you going to leave me too? Remember those times? Are you going to leave me too? And they said, no Jesus, we're not going to leave you. Where else will we go? You have the words of life. Those were incredible bonding moments. And Jesus is saying, I have this fervent desire to be with you guys. And this word, fervent desire, in the Greek is an amazing word. It literally means focused passion. How many of you know Jesus and the kingdom is all about relationships? That's why we're here hugging on one another. That's why the church has to meet together, not just online. That's why we need to get together in small groups because it's about relationships. Are you with me? But we're not just hanging out, we're on mission. And Jesus said, my focused, fervent passion is to be with you and to be on mission. Because Jesus said this, I know I'm not going to be able to be with you again unless I finish the mission. In other words, he knew what was at stake. The disciples, many times Jesus said to them, hey, this is what's going to happen, guys. I'm going to be betrayed. They're going to crucify me. Three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead. Peter's like, oh, no, that's not the way it's going to work, Jesus. Who do you think you are? Uh, You remember all those times when Peter had to take his foot out of his mouth? These guys were not the sharpest bunch. But hey, Jesus believed in them just like he believes in us. Come on. He continued to pour into them. So here's what ha- what happened. Jesus has his focused passion. He wants to be with the twelve, and look at what it says in verse seventeen. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks, and he said, "Take this and divide it among yourselves." For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, and he gave thanks. There it is again. And he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, we just said saw in the Scriptures where the Holy Spirit inspired the writers. Uh, in this situation, Paul to say in every situation, give thanks. How I mean, you know, Jesus is getting ready to be beaten beyond recognition, to be nailed to a cross. He's standing there on Passover night when throughout the city, that's when everybody is slaughtering the lambs for the Passover dinner, the, 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 the lambs without spot or blemish. All these lambs being slaughtered and Jesus is getting ready to show the disciples what's the meaning of all this Passover stuff. He is the sinless, spotless lamb of God who will give his life for the sins of the disciples and for all of our sins. Aren't you grateful for that? But I want you to see this. He takes bread in his hands. He knows that bread is symbolic of his own flesh that's going to be ripped apart. He takes the bread and literally rips it apart with his own hands and then breaks the pieces off and hands it out to the disciples. Jesus fully knows what he's doing. And yet, what does he do in the midst of all that? He gives thanks. And then he takes the cup, and he looks at that, at that wine that represents his blood. And he realizes, as the Bible says, he is about to be shredded. His body will be cut from top to bottom. He he will be covered in blood. Uh, Some of you have seen uh, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, which many of you, that's one of those movies that's hard to watch a second time, is is it not? But I'm telling you, even that movie could not fully portray the blood that Jesus shed for us. We know about his hands being pierced, his feet being pierced. We know the blood that ran down from his skull as that crown of thorns was beaten and placed on his skull. The Bible says in Isaiah, Jesus was beaten so brutally, he did not even look like a human being. How many of you know to see Jesus covered in blood and shredded, his flesh shredded, was a picture of exactly what he held in his hands. And I want you to see this. What did he do? He thanked God thank God? What did he thank God for? And this is important. The Bible doesn't say, thank God for all your circumstances. No, some of our circumstances are difficult, painful, horrific, full of injustice, physically painful, emotionally painful. We don't thank God for all that mess. We thank God that Jesus Christ died to resurrect us and to bring us into a place where we rule and reign with Jesus and we're above those things, not below those things, and we can actually worship our way through the most difficult situations in life. How many of you know He holds our past? He holds our future. He's writing our letter. He's holding it all together. Isn't this amazing? That's what we worship God for. Some of you are in this place today. I know your stories. I know what's going on. I know some of the pain. I know the heartache. Some of you have lost family members within the last week. I know it. I did the funeral. I was there. I know how raw it feels right now. But the Bible says in every situation, if we will learn to practice Thanksgiving, on the other side of the Thanksgiving, God has some amazing treats for us. God has amazing blessing for us. God has breakthrough for us on the other side. On the other side. You know, when it says Jesus gave thanks in the Greek, it's where we get our word Eucharist from. This is an amazing word. And the Lord just brought to my mind these nice little Russian dolls. Any of you ever have these or pick these up if you've been overseas? They're they're amazing. Our grandkids love them, you know, because you keep breaking them apart, and they get smaller and smaller and smaller, and the kids are just fascinated by that. But I want you to see something this morning. The word Thanksgiving or Eucharist is an amazing word. This is the Thanksgiving. I write this thing right here, Thanksgiving. But if you break it down on the inside of that word in the Greek, is the word charis or joy. I'm sorry, grace. Grace, grace, grace. If you break this apart, Thanksgiving apart, you find joy. I'm getting ahead of myself. You find grace on the inside. Now, why is grace so important? Because grace is what we set our face on and what we set our focus on when we're trying to practice Thanksgiving in the midst of difficult times. We need grace. Grace. Grace means a lot of things in the Bible. It means pardon and forgiveness, but how do you know grace is the power of God to live out the will of God? Grace is power, and if you open up Thanksgiving, you'll never be able to move in Thanksgiving until you come in contact with grace. Let me talk about grace for just a moment. I love in the Bible, this is not in your notes or on the screen, but I love it in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. It says, God is able to make All grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Let me say that again. All grace abounding to us, so we'll have all that we need all the time in any situation, so that we can abound. How many of you know that is an amazing promise from God? When you're going through your most difficult time, if you will give thanks to the Lord, you will will encounter grace. If you don't give thanks, no grace. I'm not talking about grace that saves, we're already saved. I'm talking about grace that empowers you to abound over the situation. Is this making sense? No grace, no thanksgiving. No thanksgiving. You will not find grace, but if you will let praise come off of your mouth in the midst of your most difficult time, not because you're in the midst of it, but because like Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He looked beyond to the other side. This is what I'm thinking. When Jesus is saying, it is my fervent desire to be with you guys, he realizes he's going to have to go to the cross, but on the other side of the cross, there's going to be a covenant relationship form that's going to last forever. And Jesus is really excited about spending time with you and with me. That's why he went through what he went through. Now let's check this out. Talking about grace and being power. Um, if you go to the root of grace, you find another cool word, joy. Joy. Now, some of you have been saying, Pastor, I'm, you know, I'm going through this rough time. I, just, I can't seem to get on the other side. I'm despondent. I'm depressed. I'm gloomy. I'm irritable. I'm full of fear. You know, what would you say to me? I would say, how do you find joy? Well, if you want to find joy, you've got to go back and you've got to find grace. And if you want to find grace, you've got to go back and you've got to begin to open your mouth and you got to begin to give thanksgiving because all of that is contained in the power of thanksgiving. When you give thanks, you find grace. When you find grace, it leads you to joy. And that's all in the one word in the Greek that simply means to give thanks. Isn't that powerful? Saying, Pastor, how how am I supposed to walk in joy? Open your mouth and start praising God. People say, I don't know if I feel like going to church today. That's exactly when you need to go to church. You know, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. Go to church. What do you need? You need grace. Grace. Where do you find grace? At the place of thanksgiving. That's why I love when Mary came up here and just gave us a little Marian exhortation and the Holy Ghost. Because what we're saying is when we sing these words, they're not empty words. When you sing the power of God, the promise of God, the truth of God, and you release it from a heart of thanksgiving, God begins to move, grace begins to come, joy begins to fill your spirit, and nothing has changed on the outside. Everything has changed on the inside. That's why I love it when we're singing that song. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what it feels like. God's still working. He's still moving. He's still active. He's still doing his God stuff. Doesn't matter if I feel it. Doesn't matter if I see it. Guess what the nature of God is? He's good and he's kind and he's moving forward and there's grace for every situation. Like this year, we could, we could say, oh, man, 2020, let's just, you know. No, here's what I want to do. Thank you, Lord, for this year. It isn't even over yet, but there's mercies, there's goodness, there's kindness, there's joy to be found. Oh, Lord, our business is down 50% this year. But hallelujah, it's a kingdom business. I'm not going to look at where we're at. I'm looking. We're just getting ready to move into another season of blessing. <laughs> woo It's a new day. Hallelujah! You start to get excited about it. Everybody else moping and all that stuff, you're carrying a spirit of thanksgiving in your spirit. Now, let me give you a, a practical example. Because sometimes we read the Bible and like, ah, oh, yeah, I know that, you know, theologically, that's proper, but, you know, real life, come on, Pastor. Aren't you glad that the Bible's full of, like, real life people that were broken and messed up like us? One of my favorite broken, messed up people is King David. I'm glad no human being wrote the Bible because we would have edited his story. If David would have wrote it, he would have cleaned up all the low spots. But guess what? They're all in there for us to go, Ooh, sick. This is what David did. And I want to I give you this as a practical take home. All right? Look at what David did in Psalm 92. Psalm 92, verse 2. He said, it is good To proclaim your unfailing love. That word unfailing love in other translations speaks of goodness or kindness. So we're going to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning. Now let's break this down. This word proclaim means to declare, to make known, to be conspicuous, to announce. So look at what David's doing to start his day. And you need to do this. You wake up in the morning and the first thing you say to the Lord is this, thank you, Father, for your goodness and your kindness which is being displayed in my life even now. You love me. Your love is unfailing. It's a covenant love. God, you've communicated to us that if God is for us, who could be against us? How many of you know you just gotta get your mindset on the fact that God's not out to punish you. He's not out to beat you up. He's not out to make you pay for your faults and whatever. Jesus already paid for all that on the cross. God's actually trying to bless you. Surely goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. That's what David said. How many of you know David could have been down and said, well, God, I blew it. I can't believe it. Look at what I did. I committed adultery. I did this. What a loser. No, David said goodness and mercy are still following me all the days of my life. God's goodness is his default position, which means his heart's inclination is to be kind to you. It's who he is by nature. He's not angry, shaking his fist at you. His default is kindness and mercy. And David, in the at the beginning of the day, he announced and declared with his mouth that that was God's intention towards him. I mean, you know, this will start getting you happy at seven o'clock in the morning. Some of you need to get happy. It said that'd be a sign and a wonder right there, seven o'clock in the morning. You're like whoa. What happened to mom? What happened to dad? And look what he does at nighttime. In the evening, he says, your faithfulness and your firmness, your steadfastness is what I'm going to declare in the evening. I love the way the Passion paraphrase says this. Each and every sunrise, we will be thanking you for your kindness and love. And as the sun sets and all through the night, We're going to keep proclaiming, you are faithful. Oh, that is so good. Now, check out how this works. In the morning, you're thanking God for his goodness and his kindness, both past and present. And in the evening, you're thanking God for his faithfulness. How many of you know we're thankful for past grace and we're thankful for future grace? Now, how many of you have ever experienced past grace? All of you should. Anybody in this room know Jesus? There's some past grace. But how many of you know, how many of you experienced past grace within the last year? How about within the last week? The goodness of God, the grace of God, the joy of God, the blessing of God. So guess what? Here's what happens when you experience past grace. What should be in your heart? Ready for this? Gratitude. Now I want to share something with you. People who are not thankful are prideful. So pastor, don't, I'm already down and out. I'm depressed. Don't say that I'm prideful too. <laughs> you are. Sometimes the news has to get worse before it gets better. Let me tell you why you are. Because prideful people can still be miserable and still not have gratitude in their heart or give thanks to God. So whether you're on the mountaintop and you're prideful or you're in the valley and you're prideful, people who are proud don't have gratitude toward God and they have no thanksgiving coming off of their lips. All they do is complain. Wow, wow, wow. Or they just give themselves all the glory. So past, gra- past grace, gratitude, ready for this? Future grace, faith. Now, how do you know that if God's been gracious to you in the past, he'll be gracious to you in the future? How do you know that? Let me tell you why. He took the bread. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he went to a cross and he died for you and he died for me because his heart was full of passion for his bride, full of passion for his kids, full of passion for relationship. And how do you know that God's going to come through in your future? Because the cross forever settles the deal. I've heard people say, you know what? Pastor, I, you know, I feel like I've blown it. I feel like I, I've, I've failed too much. I feel like my past disqualifies me from God's blessing in the future. You're listening to the wrong sermonizer, all right? You're listening to Satan with the lisps. So it's, the, it's the accent of hell, You're never too far. You're never too broken. You're never too down for the grace of God and the mercy of God to chase you down and lift you up and take you to a whole new future. But you, but you do, you do have to choose what you're going to do with your mouth. And either you're going to let him write your story. I'll tell you what today messed me up. All these songs, Bob, messed me up singing about the goodness of God. I can recount the mercy and the goodness of God over my life. The older I get, the more past grace I can remember. And it sets me up for greater faith for the future. Let me just tell you something. Some of you say, well, Pastor, how come you're not talking about present grace? Because present grace doesn't exist. Let me tell you why. As soon as I think about now, I'm living in the past. All that we have is God's record of past goodness and faith in God's future blessing on my life and his faithfulness and his promises. So I'm not living. As soon as you start living in the present, you're already in the past. Does that make sense? Because God's already moving forward, which is why, can you listen to me? We should never... Ever, 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 ever until Jesus comes. Stop doing what we're doing right now because I don't know about you. I need to be reminded about the goodness of God. I need to be reminded about his kindness. I need to be reminded to keep my eyes forward and to keep running and to keep going hard and to keep believing him and to keep fighting for those promises. I'm going to praise him in the morning for his unfailing love for me, which he's demonstrated at the cross over and over and over again so that we would never have to be separated. And then I'm going to look to the future and I'm going to say, God, help me to grab a hold of you and your promises. Help me to get a hold of grace so that I can live in the joy of the Lord. I mean, you know, The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. You got to live in joy. You got to find joy. How do you find joy? You got to find grace. How do you find grace? You got to live in thanksgiving. Which is why every man, the, the greatest thing that can happen to a man of God is when you get wrecked and lost in worship. Which is why the devil tries to keep men staring at screens or looking at hymnals with no life in you. When you encounter God and you worship him with all your heart and you love him in front of your wife and kids and everybody else, you have a God encounter that changes your life. You move from being a religious person to being somebody who has a passion for Jesus. And you start moving in grace and you get breakthrough and you start moving in, joy and your kids go, what happened to dad or whatever? Because somebody has transformed you or else you can just stand here like, like, like you're dead. Thanksgiving is an act of your will. You don't need to wait for it. I, I was, Marin and I over here, I'm singing. I started, I leaned over to her and I said, man, I'm starting to squeal because that we hit a note that was not in here. I, don't, I couldn't find it. And so I was going, Ey-y-y. it was the most hideous thing in the world. And she said to me, I love it when you make a joyful noise to the Lord. Hallelujah. That's a good wife right there. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. oh, man, every little ounce of cell and oxygen I could muster up. I wanted to thank God for being so kind to me. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what happens when God knows you're grateful? He loves to bless you. Is this not true with parents? When the kid rips open the gift and who's it from, and throws it away and goes to the next one, and you're like, "Dude, I just worked. I just worked for three days for that. All right, could you, could you like ask who's it from? Come give me a hug. Pretend like you're grateful. I mean, you're like, yeah, next year I know what I'm getting that kid. Now you don't want to hear. All right, I'm moving. I'm moving mercy. But what happens when? The little kid runs up and hugs you, Daddy. Oh, man! Oh, thank you! Oh, my. I'm buying you another present next year. And we're <laughs> bigger than this one. Now, please hear me. I'm not suggesting God's carnal like human beings are, but I am saying this: it's God's delight to bless. And you remember when the guys got healed of leprosy, and only one of them came back and said, "Thank you." Let's not be like those other people. Let's move in gratitude. You're like, man, my business is taking a hit this year. I'd get get my Thanksgiving going is what I would start getting. I'd get my Thanksgiving going. Man, we're facing some serious challenges. We've gone through some serious losses. What do you do when you lose a loved one? Sue lost her son this past week, a little over a week, about two weeks ago. I say lost because we know he's with Jesus, but it hurts. It hurts a lot. First Thanksgiving, first Christmas, it hurts a lot. You only have two choices. You either get sucked into despair and gloom and depression or you start opening your spirit to the Lord and you start worshiping God in the midst of your pain and in the midst of your pain, grace comes and strength comes and power comes and intimacy comes and joy starts spilling out of your heart and everything changes because this is supernatural or you fall into a pit and sometimes people have a hard time even getting out because it's so, so painful. Gratitude for the past and faith for the future. I want you to stay on your feet right now. And we're going to put this into practice. Sometimes the songs we sing are more powerful after we've embraced some truth. And I want us to sing our way out of here. Is that okay with you guys? It might mess up the parking lot, but we'll just worship. Hey, don't anybody be angry in the parking lot. Thanksgiving, gratitude, hug somebody, smile. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to declare the goodness of God over our lives. I don't know what you're going through right now, but you know what the Lord does, and this is what he said to you, in every circumstance, praise me, thank me for what I'm doing, thank me for what I did on the cross, thank me for past mercies, and thank me for future grace. That's what we do. So how about this? Let's ramp up to our big celebration on Thursday with some Thanksgiving right now. And let's just thank the Lord. Thank him for the future. Thank him for the end of this year. Thank him for breakthrough. Thank him for your business. Thank him for your family. Thank him for whatever pops into your mind. But here's what I'm encouraging every man in this place to do. You, You bring your game and your heart, not just your mouth. Bring your heart and release Thanksgiving to God in faith. And I'm telling you, I just speak breakthrough over this place. I speak I speak intimacy with Jesus It's going to break forth in relationships in this room. Jesus, remember that focused passion of the Son of God. That's the focused passion he has for your life right now. So let's love him back. Let's set our eyes on Jesus and let's love him right back.